A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This one with Dave Antelok. The owner of Tough Racing for all of those years, Midwest powerhouse, uh, a lot of great riders rode for Dave, whether it be Supercross, Motocross, or Arena Cross, and uh, obviously uh, he did a good job with the business over the years also, and still involved in the sense of with UFO Plastic. So, interesting guy, really cool story, and hope you enjoy it. Thanks to Fly Racing, flyracing.com, the Formula Helmet. Came out a couple years ago, and it is the pinnacle in helmet protection. It absolutely works fantastic. It's got three le- three different things of three different uh, things. No, that doesn't really make sense. Three different ideas of safety protection. Whether it's the Conehead EPS, whether it's the Rion, or whether it's the Crush system in it, it uh, absolutely does a great job of protecting your head ver- versus low speed stuff and high speed stuff as well. It is so quiet. It is so well ventilated. It's ridiculous. The Formula helmet from the folks at Fly Racing. If you're in the market for a high-end helmet, this is it. And if you don't quite have the budget of a formula, well, you're in luck. For 2021, Fly Racing came out with the Formula CC helmet. Uh, Same great safety feature, so exactly the same as that. A little different shell at a little different price, but the Formula CC is available now. All sorts of colors in those to line up. So please check a look at Fly Racing for the latest and greatest helmets. Uh, They've absolutely done a great job with the Formula helmet. So flyracing.com. Go to your favorite e-tailer or your favorite dealer and uh, request to see the Fly Racing catalog. Why don't you? Thanks to the folks at Renthal, of course. Renthal.com. I'm sure that tough racing riders over the years uh, used Renthal uh, as many, many race teams do. A fraction of a second, a few grams, a couple of millimeters. It all counts. Welcome to the winning world of Renthal. The winning brand in manufacturing design for the last half century, Renthal continues to lead the world at the very top level of sport, amassing more titles than all competing brands combined. The records are unsurpassable, over 222 U.S. titles. That probably doesn't even count. Eli Tomac's Supercross title, by the way. And over 213 world titles, thanks to the hard work and dedication to detail, the Renthal Factory has been helping world-class riders achieve their championship goals since the beginning, way back in 1969. Thank you to Max's Tires as well, MXSTs, developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by Justin Rodbell, Alex Ray. Uh, MXSTs are out there now, available at your local dealer. UTV Tires, uh, dirt bike tires, mountain bike tires. I use the Minions on my mountain bikes and uh, absolutely love them. Maxis.com for more information on that. Please check those guys out. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Here is Dave Antelak, formerly of Tough Racing, currently UFO Plastic. Enjoy the stories. 
Now, as promised on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by the folks at Maxis and Renthal, we have a man on the line who's uh, been in the industry for a long, long time and uh, has done a lot in racing and in business. It is the former owner of Tough Racing and also the distributor of UFO Plastics, Dave Antiluk. What's up, Dave? How are you? Well, not much. Just trying to get everybody their stuff before Christmas. So, yeah, really, right? That. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a common that's a common problem. Um, I uh, hope everything's well. We've got lots to get into, I guess. But for for me, uh, business-wise, I guess, let's talk a little bit about your association with the UFO folks. Now, UFO Plastic, made over in Italy, uh, fantastic stuff. I've used it in so many bike builds and so much time as my so much in my time as a mechanic and everything else. How do you, You're the USA distributor for it, right? Yeah, we're, we've been the importer for them uh, since... I don't know, 1987, I think. Yeah, so how does that, I'm always, this is where I'm curious. So how does that work for you? Because this has been probably something you started that you didn't realize you'd still be doing some 30 years later uh, uh, or whatever it's been. Um, how does that all begin for you for UFO? Well, you know, back back in then day, those days, uh, you know, the getting product in the U.S., there wasn't a lot of choices in 87 about mm-hmm. what, it was kind of the wild west of motocross kind of back then you know you were i would go over to the cologne show in europe and just mm-hmm. find products that weren't here and bring them over okay so, uh, and the ufo plastic was you can't hardly tell it from stock it was a great product to bring over so yeah when you think about the mayor stuff or, or you know a cherubis was the big deal back then right uh franco a cherubis was doing it forever and you know ufo stuff is, is is great quality like you said so so okay so at some point you're like hey do you guys want a u.s distributorship that's how it goes, and you're like, I'll be the guy? Yeah, that was, yeah. well, we brought it over for ourselves, and we started making different colors, and yeah. then, uh, you know, it wasn't that hard. Uh, I knew Jeff Fox up at Parts Unlimited real okay. well, so then they started selling it, and yeah. Um, and it was kind of a side thing, because Tough Racing took up most of right. the time back right. then, and and um, we just pretty much ran it through Parts and Tucker, and we sold, we made special colors for ourselves, and yeah. And that was pretty much about it. Um, so. So, never, no way in 1987 did you still think you'd be doing it in 20, 2020, right? In 1987, I didn't know no. I was going to do it in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's turned into a nice business for you, for sure. And so who's the owner of UFO? Is he still around? Is the company still still family-oriented yeah, yeah. and all that? Yeah. Yeah, Vito Cancelloni is the owner. He, I think he, he, he just retired, but he's still there every day. Okay. So, yeah. And uh, he's in the mold shop. He still oversees all the because UFO is the only plastic company that actually makes their own mold. So, and he's he's there, and that's why the quality is so good because he's ridiculously picky. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I said at the top, right? UFO stuff is always really good. Uh, fits well. All the bol- you know, it's just. Aftermarket plastic, in some cases, is a hit and miss, and I've always ran UFO on just about every bike I've ever built because I'm just like, it just works great, you know? Well, the the, the big difference is they, they make the molds across the street, so if it's off a little, they can adjust the mold. Mm-hmm. You know, the other companies, they have somebody else make the mold for them. Yeah. If it's close, they're not sending it back, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, cool. So that's that's your main business nowadays. Yeah, and... Yep. and um, it, it's turned into it because uh, I only had the two distributors, and then when I sold Tough Race, and I kind of thought I was retired there for a while. Okay. And uh, that, you know, that's another story that you've already talked about, and I, I quite didn't get paid everything I was supposed to. <laughs> so, 
So uh, the UFO guys wanted to open a warehouse here just a couple years ago, and yeah. of course they asked me to do it, and yeah. And we're already like three times what we thought we were going to sell, so it's been nuts. Yeah, well, that's a little bit of COVID, right? You're seeing that effect. Uh, obviously, it's been it's been terrible for a lot of people and a lot yeah, of businesses, that, but but our business that's been terrible. But the other thing is the interest in the old bikes is incredible. So true. Uh, yeah, you know, eighty five to ninety five stuff is sells more than the new stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, and I, that, that actually reminds me. I need to place an order with you for my. <laughs> I'm building a 1991 CR 500, and. Uh, and again, you can't find the stuff except for UFO, you know, and uh, and you know well, it's going to. Yeah, everybody else dropped everything from like two thousand back, so we're pretty much the only guys. Yeah, so. yeah, and and and, and the, the molds are back in Italy, and they're still firing up, firing up the molds. I would guess so. You yep. know, the, well, it, Vito, the the owner there, he doesn't get rid of anything. So. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, you're a Midwest guy. Obviously, you've been doing it a long time. How many years? God, how many years do you think you had a Supercross, Motocross, or Arena Cross race team? Uh, how many years? Do you even know? Yeah. Well, I, I know when we started. So we, yeah. we started in 1985. Right. So I, I don't know why we started, but that's when we started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Alan King was our first rider. Yep. And, uh, you know, things were so different back in those days. You know, guys just wanted to go racing and so if we gave them a truck and a mechanic and bikes and paid for their expenses, they were they were thrilled. So. Yeah, yeah. So from 1985 until, geez. I think 1993 or four was our last year of Supercross and outdoors. Okay. And because Mike Healy was our last guy, so that was that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's Stray Cat, right? Yeah. So uh, and it, and the tough racing was taking up too much for. Time and the race thing was it, it was becoming a distraction basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and it was of course you don't make any money at it. No, so, no. Yeah. So uh, I think we stopped in '94, and then in '96 we started doing arena cross. Okay, so. yeah, and it's kept going from there. Of course, all the riders that have ridden for you over the years is, is numerous, and, and it's crazy. With the, the, you ever actually written down the roster of guys that you've had? Ridden no, but when you called. I, I thought about doing it, you know, because yeah. uh, when uh, the hoop was on, he had such great notes. I'm going, ah, I, I need to be more prepared. But like normal, I, d- I didn't do anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's fine. We'll we'll we'll, we'll walk this through the, through the through this thing. Um, so yeah, like we I, like you talked about, business is really good for you, and that's your main main source of income. Are you still in the Midwest somewhere? Some still somewhere? Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We're just outside Chicago, so okay. we're pretty much in the same place. You know, I've been. I, this is where I grew up, so this is where I'm going to live. Right, sure. Uh, when do you? We got the UFO story. Let's get the tough story now from you. Um, what do you do? How do you get into dirt bikes growing up? And, and where are you? And, and what what gives you the idea to start a dealership? Well, um, we. I started working at Midwest Action Cycle. Oh, you did Midwest yeah. Action Cycle, right? Right. In fact. Uh, I made those lightning bolts that went on Hannah's bike the first time. Oh, you did? Oh, I yeah, didn't know this. Oh, because okay. Hannah and all those Hannah, well, and they would always show up. All the trucks would come there and park because there was nowhere else for yep. them to, to over uh, stay overnight. And uh, Bob was going out with the parts girl up there anyway. So, <laughs> so uh, um, you know, Laporte, him, Bevo, Savinsky, yeah. 
McCarthy, all those guys would stop there all the time. So that was my introduction into motocross. I mean, I was riding, but myself locally, but yeah. you know, it was pretty. And that was your first introduction to the big time, you know. Sure. And so this is so you raced. You you got ride. You rode a dirt bike at a young age and started racing at some level. Yeah, yeah. I still ride now, but right. it didn't take very long to figure out that my bikes were better than me. So yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so okay, so in like 2006, I'm working for Parts Unlimited. I'm the FMF guy, the brand manager back then. After I quit being a mechanic. And I did the, the tour, and I went and saw uh, Tough Racing uh, when Andy owned it, Andy Stacy. And uh, I also went to Midwest Action Cycle, and I was just, me being such a dorky fan, I'm like, I cannot believe I'm going to this place that, you know, you saw the, the ads in the magazines for, for 50 years, right? Or whatever, growing up. Um, was that the original building that it was in back then when you were no, working no, there? No, no, oh, no. Okay. We were actually in a bigger building before that. Okay, so. all right. So I was stoked, because I'm like, because they had all the old bikes on the on, on display, and it had... It looked like the building had been there forever. So I was like, I wonder if this is the original Midwest Action Cycle. But no, no. <laughs> we were in a uh, a roller rink before that. Oh, okay, <laughs> a roller rink, nice. So we had a, we almost were twice as big. Yeah, so. yeah, really. Like when you think about it, like the Midwest Action Cycle guys, like, and you took some of this. I'm guessing with tough. Like it was a really early to the game of mail order stuff, huh? Well, I started it for the Midwest for, Action guys when okay. I was there. We kind of got that started. And then um, I know the I, I kind of got a, offered a job to be a mechanic for the Suzuki guys, but unfortunately they offered to me like about a month after I was getting going to get married. So I, I just assumed that wasn't going to work out very well. So. <laughs> yeah, really. Hey, honey, I'm going to go work for uh, what year was this? What, what year was this? Have been? Yeah. Let, let's get married. And I'll see you in nine months. Yeah, you know? yeah, really, right? So is this like the mid '80s, sometime around then? Uh seventy. Eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So way back then. Yeah. Um, so, so okay. I, I mean, I finished college then, and I took a few years off after '79, and then about '83, I got, I, I worked as a, um, like a design engineer doing process control equipment for steel mills and stuff like that, and I wanted to start riding again. So one of the guys that was a sales guy owned a bike shop, so I bought one from him and got started and then okay. you couldn't find anything back in you know 82 83 if you wanted motocross clubs you couldn't even find them <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that's probably older than you remember for sure but and um then i hooked up with uh carl Bergen at uh who was running Hallman east then okay and then we started a mail order and got rid of anything he had left over we would put on start running ads and motocross action and uh, I had some lady that had a phone service. She would take the orders for me. And oh, okay. Is that how it worked back then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'd pick them up at Hallman East, pack them in my car, and yeah. drive over to UPS. And, so. and, and were you tough racing then, or were you just doing it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so that was the start of tough. Yeah, yeah the name came from because... I was going to ask you how, do you, how do you come up with T-U-F? Because, well, everything was like F and F, right, the right. three letters and stuff back then, and we go, man, this is really tough to come up with the name, and... <laughs> That's how we got it. So. Oh, stop it. No way. Yeah. That's, that's literally it. how it was. This is really tough to come up with a name. Yeah. We go, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Let's use that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And so, and yeah, tough. Of course, everybody knows that the, the, the word and then the, the period, right, as part of the logo, right? Like, it's just, it's kind of an iconic. Yeah, and then logo, we got right? the number 1-800 call tough back then. And, yeah. And, and so it just worked. So, okay, so you're doing this with your buddy, Hallman East guy, selling this stuff. When do you, like... 
are you starting to get some success here and you're starting to see some where you're like hey we can you know oh yeah we yeah. started we, we i did it that way for about a year and it got too much and i had a, like they were going to fire me anyway so i had to quit oh, okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing the other job and we right. opened a, a shop and started and then uh the local Kawasaki dealer, we ordered 10 and 83 KX125s from him, and it turned out to be the best bike of the year, so he wouldn't sell them to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> because he, he, he goes, oh, yeah, I'll order them. I'll sell them to you for 100 bucks over, so I ordered 10. And he goes, well, I can sell these for list. I'm not going to sell them to you. I go, you wouldn't even have them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. For, for me. Oh, so he so wasn't thought, really a moto guy. He wasn't really a moto shop person. No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then... Uh, we called up Kawasaki, and they go, oh, yeah, you can be a dealer in DeKalb. And we go, oh, that's 20 minutes away. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so that's how it that's, started, Tough Kawasaki. That's how it started. Oh, wow. And this Back is... then, you could become a Kawasaki dealer. I think it would cost us, I don't know, $5,000 or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cowie's like, look, if you just take two 250s at a 125, you're a dealer. <laughs> and and we so that was in 1983. We okay. started the Kawasaki thing. Yeah. By 85, we were the number one dirt bike dealer in the country really and, and, and what do you attribute that success to like what do you what do you look back and think about how you were moving so many units how did that take off like that well i mean you're in you in the industry and the the guys just like to back then every it was everybody tried to help everybody go racing it was uh-huh. it was a different thing you would go to the racetrack if somebody broke five people would help try to fix your bike and and uh, so we just had everything everybody wanted. People would stop to visit us on their vacations and stuff. It was it was really fun. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, you weren't giving them away or nothing like that, right? <laughs> Not well. Yeah. Um, we we'd we'd make about three hundred dollars on a bike back then, but the bikes were only yeah whatever they were right? fifteen hundred dollars maybe. And yeah, I know some of the other dealers would complain about. They go they go how can you only get make three hundred dollars on a bike? I go. Well, we sold a thousand of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, and, and also too, like eighty four KX one twenty five was great. Eighty five KX, yeah. like they, these were good models. Cowie was starting to come together a little bit. They they didn't have the number plate on the rear fender anymore. You know. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the year before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they were starting to come together a little bit, like a, like as far as an OEM, you know. And then and then we, we you know being that we I was a mechanic that's how I got through college I worked as a mechanic at bike shops so and that's what I did at Midwest Action and uh, so I mean I knew what people needed so yeah. it was pretty easy to make sure we had all the right I mean we would actually take bikes apart so we had at least one of everything so um, now smash cut a little bit to the Midwest Action are they pit, now they're your rival now so is are you bitter with the Midwest Action cycle guys are they mad at you well. Yeah, because actually, they, he was in my wedding actually. But at, <laughs> and then, uh, well, we were never. It was never bad. Okay, you know? all right, yeah, just rivals, just like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I actually going back further back. Do you remember Sirwall and the Simo brothers and all those guys? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. So you were around then for those guys. Yeah, Jeff's wife worked for me. Oh really? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So wow. Okay, who knew? Um, yeah, because I did a No Fear story, right? And and. Simo brothers come from there. Jeff comes from there uh, before they headed out west. You yeah, know, well, so. we well, Jeff and his dad. His dad was was quite the characters, and the, they used to stop in at uh, Midwest Action all the time. So okay, yeah, so yeah, so you know all those guys, all those stories, Lorenz Hoffer, Offer, and Offner, and all those guys. So oh yeah, <laughs> um, interesting. Um, 
So, okay, so Alan King, Factory Suzuki rider, then Team Tam, uh, wins a national in 84 on, on Team Tam. Um, how do you get hooked up with him and decide to, say, take tough to the next level as far as racing? You know what? I, I don't remember how we got okay. started with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we were doing really by '85. Yeah. We were really already doing really well as, with the mailer because nobody really did it. And our our big thing was we took the microfishes back then and printed it into a book. Oh, okay. So anytime somebody ordered, we give them the book, and then they could call and order, give us their partner. Yeah, make it easy for them, right? Like, and, yeah, and it was great for yeah. them to put their bikes together. And I think that was one of the big things that really helped us. Every everybody who had a Kawasaki had one of our. Yeah. Parts books in their toolbox. So Good so, idea. Good idea, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, again, being a mechanic, you know what you yep. need so <laughs> yeah. to fix your bike. And, and that's what we gave people. And it just seemed to really hit, you know. Yeah. So, so, Alan King, you're just like, hey, we're going to go yeah. racing. And, and, and do you get help from Cowie for this or no? No. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. No. Okay. Um. The, fa- the factories were never we we ended up getting factory help on and off, but it's yeah. like it's you know I, I think you know this. I mean, if if you do too good, they get then, mad. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. then they <laughs> they don't help you anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. You know because then they you know you they give you like ten bikes and you beat them and then they right. they go well this doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Um. So Alan King, Michigan guy, who by the way, he's maybe one of the only guys I called Alan. Uh, I found a, got a hold of him like six months, eight months ago, and I called him. And I'm like, "Hey, Alan, like I'd love to call you up and do a podcast with." And he's just like, "Nah, I don't really want to do it." And I'm like, "What?" He's just like, "Yeah." He's like, "Not, you know, no, no problems." No, he wasn't a uh, an asshole or anything. He just was like, "I don't really want to talk about my racing career." And I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, Alan." Well, <laughs> the thing I remember about Alan is um, he didn't care what place he was in. You you would put on the pit board. How much money it would be for the next place? Okay, yeah, that's that's what motivated him at that point, right? So if it was like if if it was fifty dollars, it wasn't worth passing. If it was a hundred, then it was. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was pretty good for you though. He got some good results for you. Um, oh, he was yeah. a, you know seventh, eighth yeah, back yeah. then, and um, it it was pretty easy. We were we've always been lucky hiring good mechanics. You know, that's pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Do. You, I mean, you know this. If a race, everybody thinks the riders are the race team. I think yeah. it's, I think it's your team personnel that's the race team. So. Yeah, it's a big part of it for sure, right? Um, that's what makes everything work. If that works well, then the riders can do well. You know, this started. Uh, um, I think I think you started putting with, with Alan. I think you started wearing answer gear with tough stuff on it, right? So you were a little ahead of your time with like putting, uh, you know, your own name on these pants from Answer or whatever. Like it was, uh, it was a pretty unique look. Well, we were we, we were even a little bit ahead of Mitch, I think, as far as because um, we started, I think, a year or two before him, and and uh, you were looking for that team look, so you made everybody yeah. every you know all the all our local guys wore that same outfit, everybody you know, yeah, same you know, and um, uh, and see that even was before UFO, so we didn't have the plastic yeah. to make the, the orange ones yet, so and. Uh, so, but it was just basically I'd hire this Ron Nye was our mechanic. He, okay. He's not around anymore, but uh-huh. um, 
he would just take care of everything. I wouldn't have to really hardly do anything. So, right, right. Um, what, it, what do you remember? Like, what would you pay for back then? Were you like, hey, Alan, I'll pay for mechanic and gas and entries? Do you even remember, like, what the deal yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we always did the, pretty much the same thing. So it was okay. always we paid for the mechanic. Uh, uh, we paid for everything. He, the only thing he didn't, the only thing we didn't pay was him. Okay, yeah. So uh, parts, parts, bikes. Yeah, expenses for the mechanic, van, and all that, and the rider had to get to the races and, and ride. Oh, we, yeah. we even paid for those plane tickets and stuff. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so just no salary type deal. Right. Um, and back then, that was he, that's why he cared if he made 100 bucks or not. Yeah, for <laughs> so, sure, right? Now, yeah. do you remember, again, this is a long time ago, but do you, like, and I don't even mean the Alan King years. Well, first of all, you helped him in 85, 86, 87. I think you, you put him on Suzuki's in 87, didn't you? Or, or, or did he leave tough by then in 86? Yeah, yeah, I think he stopped riding because uh, after Alan, then we got Keith. Yeah, Keith was in 88, right? Okay, 88. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you remember business picking up? And, and who knows how much it had to do with like being in MXA with Bowen and King and these guys. But do you remember that sort of correlating to increased business? I, at least I told myself it did. So, <laughs> yeah, so, really, right? <laughs> but it was really interesting because, like, every Monday people would call to find out what happened at the races because there was no Internet. And yeah, was, right. Yeah, and so people would call, ask what happened, and then the order what they needed for the week, you know. Oh, so, so yeah, in a way, I mean, obviously, look, racing, that's an age-old question, right? Like, how much is it really bringing you business? But, but it, you did feel like it was helping. Well, back then, too, I think – our customers felt like we were contributing, so we, they, mm-hmm. you know, yep. I, I think the motocross crowd is really likes to back people that contribute to their sport. At least, even more so back then than, the, than now. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you for sure. Now, in '88, you get Keith Bowen. Uh, he got let go from Yamaha, and this oh, is he, he didn't get let go. Oh, he didn't. No, he. They they he, when he called me, I was really pretty surprised. Okay. Yeah. He was a national number six. Yeah. 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 So he goes, Yamaha, they, Yamaha was going to, I don't know how many people know this story, but Yamaha was offered him $80,000 okay. for that year, which was pretty good back yes. then. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. And But they told him if he wasn't in the top five after five races, they were going to fire him. Oh. Which, of course, I don't think they really were. I think that was just. Sure. Went, well, I know Keith really well now. I didn't. Then, but that was just you had to put some pressure on Keith, or he, he yeah, he he ran a loose program. <laughs> he ran a loose program. Let's say that. <laughs> so he calls me. He goes, "Yeah, they." I go, "Well, why would you ride for me for free?" <laughs> yeah, and I go, "I'll hire you in a second, no problem." Yeah. I just yeah. I just want to know why. <laughs> so, right, right. And he goes, "It's too much pressure." <laughs> oh, okay, all right. And I go. Okay, fine. Yeah. So yep. he he really fit in pretty. Keith just couldn't take any pressure because he lived with me for probably about six months. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. If my kids would fight at the table, he would get all nervous. So. <laughs> One of those. Now, this is the year that people probably really remember tough because you uh, now you're with uh, uh, UFO and you're turning his green cowies into uh, orange. Uh, they got shrouds and they got number plates and it's orange and. Like, was this something where you you decided this? Did UFO come to you and say, hey, we got these crazy colors? Obviously, it gets you noticed. It gets tough out there. Uh, how does that sort of genesis start? Well, that was we, – we were 
<clears throat> it was a little bit of a protest because Kawasaki wouldn't help us at all. Oh, okay. So we all were right. we were you know we were selling six seven hundred Kawasaki dirt bikes a year. Yep, and they wouldn't help us. Uh, who was who was in charge then at at the racing team level? No, yeah, at Kawasaki. Uh, that would have been Turner, probably Roy Turner. Turner, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, I <laughs> I think he got mad at me because he he uh, he he would he, he'd always want kickbacks, you know, back then. So yeah, I heard that story. I did. I've heard that story. <laughs> and then so we turned him in. <laughs> oh, you did. Oh yeah. Oh well, then then you probably yeah we're not going to get help. <laughs> Well, then he was gone the next year, and then we did get help. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the eighty, the eighty-eight look was a protest, pretty much with yeah. Keith. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Because after after that, the bikes weren't always all orange. No. Then we then then we had to kind of fit in a little more. Yeah, you know? for sure. So did did UFO make flow orange plastic, or did you get them to make it for you? You know, we got them to make it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an idea. And then another did. thing, I think we did. Now that we, I'm thinking about this, we also did a thing that we're at all the races. We had people fill out postcards saying that Kawasaki should sponsor us. Oh, I don't and, remember that. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then we mailed them all in. So, so Kaw, the Kawasaki was upset because they had to answer 5,000 uh, <laughs> postcards. Oh. Antelak, you were a shit disturber back then. <laughs> well, you know, you're younger and you yeah, do, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, Bowen was certainly talented, uh, uh, certainly had issues off the track at times. Uh, but man, he was pretty. When he was on, he was good, huh? You know what? I think he, he he's really pretty much underrated. He was way too good to ride for us, and uh, <laughs> and um, he would. Uh, one story that stands out. I think it was at uh, uh, what's the track in Ohio that used to that Troy. got flooded all the time. Troy, Troy, Ohio. Troy, yeah. yeah. He go. Keith goes, hey, do you come to the race? I go, well, I'm not coming unless you finish in the top five. Okay. And so he goes, well, he says, okay. And then he hangs up. Then he calls me back in an hour. And he goes, okay. Oh, really? <laughs> All right. So I, I go there. Because I, I hated going to that track because it always you can't see anything. And smelled yeah. so yeah. bad. And, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, so I go there. <laughs> and he, he passed, I think he passed Bale to, or Stan, one of the two, yep. to finish fifth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's no, a, he he could have been. I mean, he won out. He won some national. Oh yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. You look back. He was he was fast. Eighty six on a Yamaha. He won. He had points lead halfway through the year outdoors. You know, on the bike, and that's a Yamaha. It was not on a Honda, a par in a Honda or a Cowie back then. And uh, he he had the, he did a lot with not great equipment as a factory guy, factory Yamaha guy. So he he had a lot of talent. I mean, he's he's a great guy. He just had some yep. issues and yep. and and. You know the guys that are really good; they have to want to win. You know they have to hate to lose, and he he didn't he, have that. Clearly, if your kids are arguing and he's getting nervous, you know it's going to be tough to mold him into a champion, right? But uh, he is a great guy. I've I've known him over the years for sure. Um, so th- that was three- yeah. And I I mean I I probably talked to him maybe a year ago. I talked to him all the time. So yeah. But he kind of disappeared. I don't quite know where he is right now. So. Did, you, did you did you have to ever bail him out, Dave? Was there any bailing out of Keith? The Not night out of jail. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. But, <laughs> out, out, out of other situations. We bailed him out of other things a bunch. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure. But no. But that really put. I feel. And look, I'm. I'm younger than you are, and so you know my. And I lived up in Canada, so my perspective is skewed. But to me, the Keith Bowen years put 
tough racing really on the map. I knew about the Alan King stuff and all that, but I feel like the tough racing era started with Bowen. Well, we really, with Alan, you know, he he had his own, like, X-Works Forks that he stuck. He he had his own, pretty much, his own program. And, yep. And, uh, but with Keith, then we 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 really started doing engine stuff and mm-hmm. suspension stuff, and so it got to be fun because that's the part I like. So. Right, right. Were yeah. you were you so you were modifying stuff uh, in the back at Tough, like under under oh, performance? Yeah, I had, yeah, I had eight mechanics that were doing engine and suspension stuff at one time. Oh, okay. So, so how, we did we yeah. did probably thirty sets of suspension a, a week. Oh, okay, nice. And so this is the stuff that you kind of like. I mean, we made our own exhaust pipes. We we were really into it. So yeah, I was gonna say I remember the pipes. Uh, and was it out? So you didn't farm those out and put a put a tough label on them. You guys did them. No, we we, but we only made them for Kawasaki's, which yeah. was yeah. easier. I mean, to try to make pipes for all the different miles, that's a huge yeah. undertaking. So, but to make them for just yep. one twenty five and two fifty, then you could really. And, get them good. And at this point, too, you, you somehow you, you've partnered up with Axo, and you start making tough Axo pants. Yeah, well, yeah. It, well, we, we, well, they were kind of getting hot at the time, and yeah. we were the first. We did this thing with um, uh, CD boots back then. Like boots were just one color, so we we had to make us blue and white ones, and so we started making different color. We we wanted to make something that nobody else could sell so yeah. so so we would make special colors so and uh when axel came around answer was i think that's about i wonder when eddie sold it because no i think eddie sold it like in the mid 90s i think it was later than that yeah well i don't know if we started with axel until about then so i okay. think that might have been when we switched because once eddie sold it then it was harder to right deal with anybody because then i was i think tucker owned it and it was who do you talk to there you know so. yeah yeah one of the one of the reasons i wanted to do this podcast with you the fly racing racer x podcast with you was because we ran a column uh highlighting one of your advertisements with bikes with all the crazy colors on them and uh, <laughs> and uh that was i mean again that was stuff that like did it all look good no but it was cool it was different right and this was no, kind of what it was it yeah. was really really I'd like to say it was ugly, yeah. Yeah, some of it was, but some of it was really cool. Yeah, it was it was yeah. cool and everybody could make their bike into whatever they wanted and that yep. was the fun part and uh um uh and you, you know, how many colors can you make and the fluorescent thing was big at that time. So yep. fluorescent yep. pink and and now it's pink and stuff is starting to come back, believe it or not. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And UFO at this point the UFO business is taking off, I would guess, right? Around this yeah, time. It, yeah. it was pretty steady. We, you know, it wasn't our main concern because we had parts and tucker as distributors and mm-hmm. and uh you know, I get my cut from what they sold and it was yeah. it was you know, running the motor, the dealership was was my priority. So and and the race team started taking more time as we got better and uh, the uh, uh, by the way too, uh, props to UFO family for being very loyal to you. I am sure they got many phone calls over here from people saying, "Hey, how about us being the uh, importer? You know, how about us doing it? You know what I mean?" So, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure you had to deal with that a time or two. Yeah, they're, they're actually, yeah, I've known them so long that uh, it's kind of almost like family now. So yeah, yeah. Do you still go over there much? Like I usually do, but yeah. not lately. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Not lately, right? But um, um. Okay, so you're rolling along. Tough's going well. Do you have any? 
I mean, how much are you doing in business at this point a year? Like, you remember? Do you, do you, were you just crushing yeah, I it? I think the most we ever did was like six, seven million, something like that. Ah, that's crazy. And you were sole owner, or did you have partners in this? No, I was it. Yeah. So yeah, we start, yeah, we so we we basically started with five grand. So so uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And this is mostly bikes and parts, right? For you, I mean, obviously the the UFO stuff was good and the accessories were good, but but you're moving yeah. you're moving Cowie bikes, street bikes, everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. We never we never cared about street bikes. <laughs> but you still and, sold. Uh, and you know, yeah. quads were even worse. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the building that I went to, where Andy was, that the original spot, or did you move a few times? That was. We built that place when we were kind of starting to slow down. So. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So um, I, I built it, and I, we were probably there 10 years maybe before Andy bought it. So you kept Bowen on the race team four years, five years, a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then so you, We hardly ever got rid of it. We kept people a long time. It was, it was, we were doing it more for fun than for results. You know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. cutthroat back then. We, we, we had Keith and Bowen, or, or we had Keith and DeHoop there for a bunch of years. And yeah. Then, and for you, if you're making six or seven million and doing well, like yeah, you're, you're writing this off, and it's helping promote tough racing, and it's 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 a really a win-win, right? So, and and yeah. all we had to do was be the best privateer team. So yep, yep. And um, you know, like I said, we start kind of started a year or so before Mitch, and then Mitch kind of went the 125 route, but we wanted to do the the big class, so because mm-hmm. so so we never really. Did you ever have a chance to get a 125 effort from anybody? Did you snoop that out? Or did anybody come calling? No. Well, that's not what we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah so. right, right. It's a lot of money and a lot of work, too, by the way. Um, uh, well, I mean, we had 125 guys who yeah. we would bring, like, I think we had back then, I think in, when we had Keith, we had this John Kitch kid. and Yeah, uh, Kitch was good. Yeah, Kitch That was good. kid should have made it for sure. Yeah. So. Um, because okay, so, he, he passed the first race he rode for us. He was, in, I think, it was in Florida, and him and Bradshaw both crashed on the first turn. Uh-huh. He caught Bradshaw, passed him, but then he tried to triple something and broke his <laughs> wrist, and then that was the. Um, that sounds like Kitch, yeah, really fast for sure. Um, so uh, ninety one. Uh, Ron Lachine broke his leg in 89 at Cowie, uh, took a year off, came back in 91 for the 500 Nationals. How does that deal come together? Do you remember? Um, yeah, because Andy, Andy knew uh, Ronnie, he knew and, okay. and he talked us into, like, because uh, we, we had Tisner then and uh, the hoop still. Yep. So, you know, I wasn't really looking to add a third guy, but it's hard to not hire uh uh, machines. So, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and it was a Ford remanufactured parts or something sponsorship. What was that all about? Do you remember? Yeah, it, it never really turned into that much. You <laughs> okay. know, it's one of those one of those things where somebody has it and they promise you something, so you uh-huh. go ahead and start doing it, and then they never ever come through. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Appreciate it. This is Mathis, of course. Those who know motocross and love motocross know the motorsport.com has the knowledge and expertise to make your next ride your best ride. they got a broad selection of in-stock parts and gear at competitive prices. They specialize in bringing you OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear and accessories for dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs. Motorsport.com, fast uh, shipping and free delivery on orders over, over 79 bucks to ensure that you never miss a ride. Go to the pulpamex.com show site or main site. Click on the motorsport.com banner. 
and uh, help us out a little bit. Make a purchase. Great prices, great selection, all of that from the folks at motorsport.com. It's been almost 25 years since Kobolinks lowered the first motorcycle. They're based in Boise. Uh, they made the Suzuki DR350 seat height a little shorter for trail riders around the world. That's how they started. Today, Kobolinks has been a lowering suspension link for everything from Aprilia to Yamaha, used by trail riders, motocross racers, and adventure tour riders. Like the first link, each one is still CNC'd in Idaho for riders of all ages, heights, and abilities. Increased plusness, improved cornering, and gain confidence by having a lower Center of gravity. This is for shorter riders, and you want to lower your motorcycle. Cobolinks.com, built in Boise. Uh, free U.S. shipping by using the code PulpMX plus a discount. So use the code PulpMX, save yourself some money, get free U.S. shipping as well. Uh, built in Boise, ridden and raced everywhere. Cobolinks.com, K-O-U-B-A, links.com. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's, it was like uh, I mean, Morocco's Jack in the Box deal was like that, I think, too, that first year. You know what? I, I, I hate to tell you how many sponsors you've seen in our sport that that's what happened. Oh, I know, I know. I, I even think Blimpy with the with the Roger and the Suzuki team back in the day didn't pay much or anything, you know? So, yeah, it, it happens. Uh, we we had Valvoline do it once. And yeah. We, we, you know, because then the, the trouble with that is, is – as with our sport, there's, it's not big enough. So you get somebody who likes motocross, and then he's in charge. Oh yeah, I'm going to help you, and and he's in, and then all of a sudden he's not at Valvoline anymore, and then yeah, and then the new guy he doesn't want you. I'm yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah, you picked up Tishner. You mentioned that you picked up Tishner after his Suzuki days. Um, but he got you were now on Suzuki's, or you picked up Suzuki as a yeah. Line? We were riding on Suzuki's, and they were helping us. How did we get that? Because I, I think Barnett got that for us. Oh really? Oh, okay. Because Mark, um, he well, he's a local guy, so I've known him, and, and he already retired, but you know he didn't have anything to do, so. Um, Anything Mark does, he does 100%. So being retired, he, I think he was like drinking too much, and he goes, "I gotta get, I gotta stop." I go, "What do you want?" So he yeah. I go, "Well, let's go." So he got us some help from Suzuki, and and uh, and you picked up Tishner, yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, I think Mark didn't ride very long because he just rode the Florida series. Yeah, this is an '89, right? Yeah. yeah, and he did really good, but then the first Supercross, he rode practice and he goes i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> i uh, the, i remember back that then the tracks were like really gnarly i mean it, it, they were like pointed jumps and mm -hmm. if you didn't hit everything perfect you would die you know so yeah. well it, it goes further than that dave because i was the biggest mark barnett fan ever right as a kid so in 89 he makes his comeback with you guys he he rides gainesville national does okay um he runs, does well in that Florida series or whatever that you were saying. And then at Atlanta, he's there in Atlanta. I tell my dad, I'm, I'm like 14 years old or whatever. I'm like, we got to find Bomber. We find him in the pits. I get his autograph. You know, he's in tough racing bike. And I think he's wearing a Pico gear. Yeah. I think he had a Pico back then. <laughs> uh, yeah, how did that, that was really good stuff. How did the Pico come about? Let's talk about that for a second. Well, that's, that's when, again, when I would go to Europe, I'd, I'd, I'd see new stuff. And it's, uh, yeah. I'd go, wow, let's bring this over. And yeah. And the weird part is, back then, those jerseys were made out of, like, the nylon, like the jerseys are now. Yeah, yeah, right. And nobody would wear them. Oh, they're too hot. Nobody would. Oh, let me put now the, everybody wears them. Let me put the 100% cotton jersey on. It's so mm -hmm. much better. Um, so, anyway, so we go to Atlanta, and uh, Barnett's there, and I'm just, like, the biggest Barnett fan ever, and I cannot wait for this comeback. He's going to crush the world, right? I'm all stoked on life. 
And yeah, I will never forget. He crashed on this little triple out of a turn in the heat or maybe in practice, and they, they, they stretchered him off, and he never raced again. And I and I got to see my well, hero. Well, that was the race. That was the race. I was there. Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. And, so okay. he, he he came back. This is a good story. We're we're in there, and he's he's coming out of the bathroom. He's putting his hands in his pants. He goes, "I'm just checking to see if they're still there." He goes, <laughs> because "I don't really want to do this." So we're we're walking back to the truck. Yeah. And we passed Bill West, and I go, "Hey, Bill." You get, you got a job for this guy? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> so the, and Mark that was it. Building the track and he started him. building the tracks. Yeah. yeah. For, for a 14-year-old Bomber fan, it was very traumatizing to see my hero struggle on a jump that, you know, he, most guys were doing and then get carted off. I was, I was not, not stoked on that. But, well, yeah. I mean, he, he was off for a couple of years. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. He trained sure. like crazy. He, yep. he was in great shape. It yep. wasn't that. It's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like. You have to want to do it. And he, he didn't need the money. Or, so. Right. Uh, interesting. So, okay. So he actually got you. Were you carrying Suzuki's in the dealership? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that's what that was. A By then we had picked up Suzuki. Yeah. Right. Right. So that was the Tishner thing. And dude, Tishner was. I think good. we started with Suzuki actually in '87 or '8. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think Alan wrote Suzuki's one year for you, if I remember right, or maybe it was. Yeah, I think it was Suzuki Tough. Anyways. Um. So yeah, Tishner was good. You, uh, Ronnie's a nice guy too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He was great. I love. I. He was one of the better guys that we had, is because he worked really hard, and mm-hmm. he, it was our first really racer who really wanted. To do really good, right, right. I actually have his helmet from that year here in my studio, and I have a Tough Racing number twelve jersey as well. And uh, See, I wish I would have kept some of that stuff. But you don't have anything. any of that stuff? No. Do you want me to send you this stuff? I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you deserve it more than I do. That's for sure. Um, well, you know, when you're doing it, you never think that <laughs> that it's something you want to remember someday. Yeah. So, yeah, no, good point. Um, also, too, uh, uh, yeah, Tishner was wearing Sinosalo that first year, and it was all these different colors. Again, with the tough racing look, you know? Yeah, that was actually, that was, I thought, some of our best years, and Ronnie did really good. We were actually winning the 125 Outdoors for a few rounds, and I, he ended up third overall that yeah. year. Yeah, he was he was good for sure. So, Which I think was the best any privateer team had done up to that point. So, And um, and, and, and Ronnie in the 500s got like fourth or fifth, I think, overall in the series, that same 91-ish area. So, um, yeah, things were rolling along. How does the Red Roof sponsorship come about? Oh, that was – that's kind of – I was at a road race. In fact, the only road race I ever went to. For, but Weisco invited me, and they had there's a tower at Mid-Ohio. And so we're, I'm up in the tower watching the races. And the, the guy next to me – Yep. Was, we're just start talking and everything, and he, he's the guy who owns Red Roof Inns. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the guy, we just hit it off, and then you know, it, 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 getting money out of people is difficult. Getting free rooms was pretty easy. So that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, you... But you know, when for a race team, free rooms for is huge. Yeah. So yeah. y- your team stayed at Red Roof Inns that year. <laughs> yeah, for a couple years. Yeah, and, yeah. And they gave us they gave us so many rooms we didn't even need them all. Yeah, so yeah. then we would give them to other guys like uh, John Dowd. We gave rooms to and a bunch of guys. And we go, yeah, you can have free rooms. You just have to put a Red Roof sticker on your front fender. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know what? You're right because Dowdy had a Red Roof on for a while. Yeah, and it, yeah. it was randomly like where you're like, what? What's John Dowd doing? Um. So that's a pretty good deal then. So, uh, yeah, Red Roof, so that was a free rooms deal. And, yeah, if you think about how much money that must have saved you that whole year, right? Oh, yeah, especially yeah. they gave us, like, ten rooms or something. 
And this whole time, I think the hoops. So we would like yeah. get all the a bunch, all the privateer guys would get get rooms if, as long as they put a red roof sticker on their bike. <laughs> nice, no good deal. Uh, but then they sold they sold the red roof in, and then that was under that. Okay, so, so the, <laughs> the deal was done from there. Yeah. Uh, Ray, Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Dave Antiluk. Uh, FlyRacing.com. Please check him out on the web. And uh, and Zach Osborne wearing Fly Racing, winning the championship this year. Justin Brayton, the Fly Racing guy. 2021 line is all redone, especially their light pants. So please check that out. I want to thank the folks at Renthal as well. Renthal.com. Uh, Grab Life by the Bars. Maxis Tires. MXSTs developed by Jeremy McGrath. Used by Alex Ray and Justin Rodbell out there. And thanks to the folks at Racetech as well. Pulp20 is the code to save with Racetech.com. Give your motor work give your motor some love give your suspension some love get it changed uh, work on it a little bit and use the code to save money at racetech.com uh dave antelak on the uh, on the on the fly racing racer x podcast so and this whole time of course you're helping out the hoop as well and he's getting some solid results yeah that was always really good for for tv especially because starts, he yeah. wouldn't make it out of the main and then he'd always do, he'd always get good starts yep so then he'd 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 get on TV for the main, and then he and then he wouldn't make it. Then he'd be in the uh, uh, heat race, and then he would he'd, he'd win that or be in there. So yeah, do you, did you did you have a chance to hire someone that didn't quite work out that you wish you would have, or or that would have been really good, or or any any stories of almost getting riders? Well, it, you know, basically what we would do is we would try to see who. Who was going to get the short end? You know, yep. there's always a rider that, when the Mary go, you know, when you go around, then he gets doesn't get a seat. You know, so yeah. So we, that's because like the year with Tishner was going to be him or Kadowski, but then Kadowski got a ride. So okay, all right. So and, and you know who else? Um, you probably you might not know this. We we talked to Tim Ferry. Oh, you did? Oh, I didn't know well, that. Yep. For the arena cross. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And. uh we tried to talk him into it. He goes, well, no, I'm going to give this one more year at this. And then the next year he got his, his good ride. Yeah, so. yeah. He went from tr- Moto Triple X for one year, and then he got Factory Cowie the next year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Oh, interesting. I, I, I didn't know that. Um, so, because yeah. he was good friends with Tishner and those guys. So. Right, right, right. Um, no, that's, that, that's good to know. And so at some point you, you put – and this is now this is my era of being a mechanic – there's a UFO support trailer, truck and trailer out there at the Nationals and Supercosses and stuff. Uh, is that a UFO-driven thing where they're like, hey, we, yeah, want, yeah. we want you to that do this? Was, um, well, we sent Keith for a couple of years, and then uh, Skaggs did it for a few years, I think. Yeah, um, but was that a – why did you do that, or how did that work? Or Well, we were it, just yeah. trying to um, promote the UFO thing. and Okay. Um, uh it's it, logistically, it was just a pain in the neck. Oh, know, I so. bet, I bet. Uh, and, and the politics of parking and uh, it's just yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember if you were a privateer, you could go there and you can get a free set of plastic. And then uh, if you wanted a second set, it was a it was a price or a really cheap price. Or I don't remember exactly how it worked, but uh, it was it was also. Geez, did you have Renthal or was that was that uh, Swinehart still on on the road by then? I don't remember. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, we did something else with it, but I, I can't so too. Yeah, I can't remember was, either. So. Brandon Roberts, a guy I know, drove it for a little while. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you had different guys kind of latching rides with it. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a neat deal for you. Are you yeah, I uh, forgot about Brandon, but yeah. Yeah, Brandon was a good dude. Um, how did you get into arena cross teams? Did you did you eventually just be like, hey, the, the Supercross motocross well, teams? Well, I, uh, I think Healy rode for us in 93 or 4. And, <laughs> and he drove you out of it? <laughs> and he didn't really do very good, and he didn't really 
care. And I think our, the guy we had for a mechanic, I think, was Bill West, and he wanted to do something else. And just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, then we took a year off, and then, uh, uh, you know, like anything, you take a year or two off, then you start missing it. And then we went to uh, the motorcycle show that was in Cincinnati, and okay. they had a, the arena cross there. And we go, well, this fits perfect. It's only two or three months and doesn't take up all your time. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's and not, so it was a way for us to get our racing fix without, um, right. you know, being too much. So I think our first arena cross team was in 96 with uh, Gaddis and Buell. Okay, yeah, interesting. And so. did, you, did you enjoy that, that series? Like, was it – because now you could be, like, a top team, right? Now you could be winning and, and – yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. being a big fish in a small pond sometimes works out. It, yeah. was, it was a lot easier. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I bet. And probably didn't – not as much logistics, not as many parts used either, right? No, <laughs> it, was, it was easy and, you know, yeah. uh, it wasn't as expensive and, uh, you know, three months. And we ended up getting a real good – base crew that some of the guys were with me from 96 till we stopped almost. So. Oh, wow. And then uh, at some point you pick up Denny Stevenson. That's fun. Yeah, then after Gaddis and Buell, I think we had Denny and yeah, it was maybe it was Gaddis and it wasn't Buell. We had Buell later. Um, okay. But the, the next year we had Buddy and uh, Denny. And Buddy was really, he was probably, if, you know, if you say of anybody that, I had to convince him to take the job. So. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, because um, I had to, like, I, I I made a list of how much money he would do at Supercross and how much he would make at Arena Cross, and it was, like, twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, th- thankfully, th- I think that worked out pretty well for him. Oh, it worked out really well for him. <laughs> but uh, that was 97, yeah. and then my mechanic or my my team manager then was Billy Whitley. Then Billy and Buddy went off on their own. Oh, Whitley was your team manager. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. So yeah, yeah. They went and said, Hey, we'll do this our own deal. Well, <laughs> we, well, you know, Buddy was a pretty competent business person. So he just went to Suzuki and instead of having them give us money, they yeah. could just pay him. Yeah. And were you on Hondas? Was it Honda? Yeah, we were in Hondas in 97. Yeah. So. And so did you pick up Honda for the dealership? No, oh, we never okay. could. We could never get Honda, which was always weird because, you know, Kawasaki would never ever really help us. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, how's business at this point, mid nineties ish? How, how's still, business? Still really good. Yeah, still rolling along and everything. So yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, there were over that time period, there was like one or two years where things would get slow and then they get better. But it was only like a year or two, or, you yeah. know, at a time. And and actually, when things got slow, the other shops would would uh, couldn't afford to be in business, and then we would actually do better. Oh <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And were you just doing Cowies and Suzuki still? Yeah, Cowies yeah. and Suzuki. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. We picked KTM up in late '90s or something. Okay. Um, the arena cross things rolling along. Uh, Denny Stevenson and Buddy, of course, doing well. And then you, you're picking up different guys. You pick up my buddy Jason Thomas at one year. Rusty yeah. Holland uh, rides for you. Yeah, yeah. I think in the arena cross is where we we had some guys that we wished we didn't sign, but the, but uh, most of the, most of the guys were pretty good. So. Um, when you know, the, we had Demuth, we had yeah. Uh, Jeff Gibson was great. Oh yeah, Gibson. I, yeah, Jeff was really good, right for you. Yeah, 
Uh, one of the one of the best years we had fun wise was when we had the hoop and Jeff. <laughs> Or not to who, but to Muth and Jeff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're like totally opposites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, right? Yeah, but, exactly. But they, you know, it was just a really fun year. You know, both guys are really great guys, and it was just fun. Would you go to all of these things, or how much would you go to? How much were you traveling? Um, for the arena crosses, I would probably go to maybe half. Okay. All right. Yeah, somewhere around there, right? Um, when do you decide to sell tough? Um. Well, I. I it wasn't really for sale, but I was I was kind of burned out. It was you know we already did it for like twenty some years. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, it was more than that. <laughs> yeah, eighty five. Anyway, Rusty yeah. Rusty Ott came to me with a really it would seem like a really good deal at the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, my kid was in high school, and uh-huh. and uh, we just took the race team motorhome and drove to like sixteen different states and raced, and it was so it was kind of. It was just fun. It was time for me to to walk away. You that's know? a that's a big so. decision, though, huh? Like that's a big, big, big deal. Yeah, I kept the race team and I kept UFO, so yeah. I still had yep. a little bit to do. Hey, and how happy are you that you kept UFO? Like to this day, right? Like like today, like you're probably pretty happy. You you insisted on that. Yeah, it's it's turning into now. It's like a second career now. It's just, this is maybe a little more than I bargained for, but uh, yeah, yeah. But it's fun, you know. Being being, I learned by being retired for one year that I don't really want to be retired. So, right. I uh, I did a podcast with Rusty not that long ago, um, maybe three months ago or something. So Rusty Ott, yeah, Rusty Ott, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just did one with. No, did you do one with Rusty Holland too? Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. did one with Russ. Yeah, yeah, great. He uh, he had great things to say about his time. He, he's, a, he's a great guy. We've everybody, almost everybody we've had has been a great guy. Or maybe I just remember the good guys and I forgot about all the other yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the questions I had for you was was you know who who uh, who was the most trouble for you of all your riders? But maybe maybe you don't remember that. <laughs> Well, that's yeah, I do. Okay, who was? I it? mean, but even even though that they were they were, it was it was fun trouble. But Lachine was was interesting, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jeff Willow. Oh, Willow, yeah, true. Willow were intercross days, right? So, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, it's, you know with with Ronnie, he was only with us one year. We we actually let him go because. Uh, um, that was just he was starting to have issues, but he went to the. We were only going to have him do the five hundred for us. Yep. yep. That, and then that was kind of the end, and we were going to be done. But then he won the race in Tokyo. Yep. And then we go well. Now we need to keep him. Yep. But then the first Supercross, we had Tishner and him. Tishner like finishes fourth overall, I think, uh-huh. and Ronnie didn't even make the main, and. Tissner's dad comes up to me and goes, you know, this really isn't fair. Machine gets all the attention, and Ronnie gets fourth. And I go, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and then we told Jeff, or we told Ronnie that that was it. Yeah, so. yeah, geez. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, because he was kind of making a comeback a little bit. But I think his off-track st- life was yeah, still a bit of a mess. Yeah, that stuff is happened. But I mean, like he was, he was trouble. But I mean, we're still real good friends now. Yeah, I mean, he's a great I, guy. Yeah, 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 really. He he always was a great guy, and so was Keith. Though. You know, I think maybe that's their problem is they were almost. Two good guys, and it was hard for them to say no to people. You know? True. Yeah, I know you got a good point there. You're right about that. What uh, is there? 
So you sold the business uh, to Rusty, Andy, Stacy, and all that kind of stuff. Didn't work out quite the way you wanted to, though, huh? As far yeah, as that I wish, goes. I wish they could have lasted like another year. Yeah, 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 <laughs> really, right? Um, so have you, did you think about getting it back at all and start doing it over? You just don't want it. You just no, no. Yeah, There's yeah. no way I would want to do that again. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that that's, was it. Running the dealership, because um, I was doing stuff for, I did a lot of stuff for, Parts Unlimited on the side and yeah. stuff with Jeff Fox. And he always told me, he goes, you get rid of that dealership. It's way too much work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's probably <laughs> And true. do this. And I go, well, I like it because I enjoy having it. It's not, you know. And But, you know, you have 20 people working for you and all that kind of stuff. It just gets old. Yeah. Well, and you think about it, too. Like, so Midwest, uh, Midwest America there. Uh, Pro Source is doing some stuff. Rusty's doing some stuff. You have uh, you have yourself. You have DGY. It's Jim Swan over DGY. Like it's oh, kind, yeah. kind of cool. Kind of neat little uh, hot no, it, was, it was fun back then. And yeah, and yeah, D, he, you know he he was I, he was a good friend of mine actually. DGY guys, so oh. it was fun. Yeah. You know? Oh, Jim Swan was a good friend. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, we competed, but you know what? He sold Yamahas and. And and we didn't. So yeah. it was at, what he saw. The only thing we had in common was the Suzuki, and that we didn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You said whatever. Uh, so I'm guessing. I don't, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. But I'm guessing the Tishner years are really remembered fondly as uh, for all the years that you went racing. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That was fun, and we really, we really, it, it's, we really put a big effort then, and and it was. Uh, we were like coding gearboxes that we were trying to, you know, we were doing stuff that uh, was just fun to do, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I know we did some stuff for Tisner, and then uh, that was the year Cooper won, I think. And uh, he tried our stuff, and he goes, "Oh, can I use this?" And we go, "Yeah, sure." But then Suzuki wouldn't let him use it. So. Oh, geez. Oh, well, yeah. Go figure, right? Um, well, that's how Suzuki was. They. For, for their factory guys, they would just send them stuff. They had to use it. They wouldn't even tell them what it was. They just had to bolt it on. Yeah. I remember Berluti, Berluti's been over here a bunch because uh, I live in Vegas, and, and he used to tell me back in the day of Suzuki, they'd be like, uh, here's your pipe for, for, for Supercross. And they'd be like, okay, I, I, I want to do, do something else. No, that's your pipe. That's the one I sent from Japan, and that's all you're using. That's it. <laughs> so that was Suzuki testing back in the day. Well, when I was at Midwest. Pat Alexander was one of the mechanics. He was in there. He's he's grinding on a cylinder because he has to put this on. And I I go over and I look. I go, you know, that's last year's cylinder. That's why that reed cage won't fit on there. <laughs> Jeez. And they go. Well, they said I have to use this. I go. Well, then you have to use last year's reed cage because yeah, that's yeah. not going to work. Yeah, yeah. You better 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 figure that out quick, there, Pat. Uh what a what a what a legacy in, in business. You must be pretty stoked and proud of everything you did over at Tough, huh? I, I never really thought of it that way. It was just it was just fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, you got to do what you wanted to do, and every day was fun because you you know you, you went to the races, you were riding, it was you were building new bikes. It was just fun. I, I bet. I just I just think it, it's such a like an iconic company, the logo, the the name, like you said, and all coming up with all that. Like I just yeah, really cool era, and some really cool riders wore the name, your business name, on their chest, you know, and got great results. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome for sure. You you really should keep some memorabilia around. Yeah, yeah, I wish, I, but you know, you just 
you didn't even think of it. Even even when we did arena cross, I go, oh, I should have kept the bikes we won with. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not really, right? So, so? Uh, ufoplasticusa.com is the website if people are listening and they want to get some plastic for their bike, go on there and, and check it out. Uh, like I said, i got to put together a little order here for my, my 500 one of these days. Um, yeah, and we're going to have a new website. It's the same, same thing, but yeah. it should be up in a week or so. Oh, good. Good to know. Okay. All right. So, yeah, please, people, check that out. Tough Racing, of course, iconic dealership in the Midwest. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this ordered some stuff from you or or, or used something from Tough Racing over the years. That's for sure. I, I yeah, you, yeah, and you have a lot of people listening to this, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got a lot of listeners. <laughs> So, so hey, I, I, and so if anybody, I, I'm looking to hire somebody if somebody wants to be an inside salesperson. So okay, uh, uh, they got to move to Illinois though. They got to be yeah. in Illinois. Yeah. So yeah. all right. Well, if they can get in touch with me uh, using my contact form on my website. So, um, Dave, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, congrats on all the success in the sport over the years, whether it's arena cross or supercross or motocross or even the plastic business now. Um, uh, it's always seemed to seems things seem to work out good for you. So thank you for uh, thanks for the time. And, uh, and I'm sure I'll see you down the road, man. Oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, calling. No problem. Thanks, Dave. All right. Bye. Take it easy. All right. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory... We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? 
The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.